Welcome into the first live edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Justin Hall, Dave Wilson, and Mitch Prosser joining you as we are doing the first of many live simulcasts of the podcast. And we're excited to get this ball rolling. It will continue to roll as we enter into the new year. It's hard to believe we're already seven days into 2022, but we're kicking off a busy weekend in the Palmetto State, and we'll take your questions on Facebook. So leave those in the comments. Before we get to Proudly Pro Life Weekend, yesterday the nation observed the one year anniversary of the events of January 6th. And that was a very sad day. I remember watching it. Um, It was unreal. It was surreal to see the images that we saw. But in the 366 days since that day, we've seen some hyperbole begin to take over, and we've now drifted from the original point over here to something else that I, well, I recognize, but is is not the same as what we felt on January 6th. So, Dave, as we begin our podcast today, our Friday edition, let's try to move past the hyperbole if we can. The hyperbole is, is and to define that, it really is, there. The, the narrative is right now, the insurrection, the takeover, the commandeering, the invasion of the Capitol. It, January 6th was likened to Pearl Harbor and 9-11 by Vice President Kamala Harris. And I, I was on uh, WLTX last night doing The Insiders, which is a show that I've been doing for, ironically, five years now. Wow. So as we were talking about this last night, you know, uh, my counterpart on there was talking about the fact that, you know, this is an insurrection. It's not, pro- I call them protesters. You know, it's not a protester. They're insurrectionists. And, and there's such a, a need by so many people right now to create divisiveness. Here's the thing that Pearl Harbor and 9-11 did. It galvanized American unity. That's right. It didn't create divisiveness. It galvanized American unity. And what we're finding right now with this whole recollection of January 6th and trying the hyperbole to turn it into this whole thing of, you know, this is our next nine, this was our 9 11. This was, uh, we're creating more divisiveness. If you listened to the president's speech yesterday 16 times while he did not call Donald Trump by name, mm-hmm. It was the defeated president. And it just does nothing to create any level of the unity that he says that he's going to be calling for and working towards in America. Well, the the unity that has been called for is subject yourself to the will of what I want you to do or else I'll bully you into submission. That's the unity he's talking about. I want to really quickly touch on the vice president's speech I find it interesting, by the way, that I have yet to see a primetime speech in the matter of about two years. It's coming. I, I feel like, <laughs> yeah, but I feel like an event like this, if it if it means as much as it does, and I'm not saying it doesn't, I'm just talking this out with you guys, why not give it at primetime? 
why at 10 a.m.? I was at work. We were on the state house grounds filming a video. We were. Yeah. This has, so I wasn't able to watch it. I just saw the tweets roll in. I, I want to go back to the vice president's comments really quickly because as, as a communications major, as someone who's worked in the business, words matter and comparisons matter. And, and, and so let's try, if we're trying to draw commonalities between these events, on December 7th, 1941, 2,403 deaths that day on Pearl, at Pearl Harbor. 2,403. That included 68 civilians. On 9-11-2001, 2,996 deaths. On January 6th of 2021, there were six. Now, those lives matter. Certainly. And loss of life in any way. I value human life. Any death is, that is not outside of natural cause is bad. However, please show me the common thread between those three things. Because on Pearl Harbor, at Pearl Harbor, you had Japanese suicide fighters bombing our military base. On 9-11, you had terrorists flying planes into our buildings trying to cripple our country. And on January 6th, you had a couple hundred people walking in between velvet ropes inside the Capitol building, taking some podiums and wearing horns on their head and faces painted, and and they got into the Senate chamber and the House chamber. So, please help me draw the comparison between the three. Well, Can anyone? Yeah, well, I'll I'll take a stab at it, and I think it's important to understand that there were even factions back, if you remember back even 21 years ago, uh, to... 9-11, and I wasn't around during Pearl Harbor, but there have always been factions that have been contrarian in nature. They seek to divide, and that's what we're seeing right now. The voice is just a lot louder. As Dave said at the very beginning of this topic, the unity that we experienced in Pearl Harbor, in 9-11, in all of these situations and tragedies that occurred, whether on American soil or in a land far away, we were unified. However, now the narrative that's being framed, as you said, and as you said, with words mattering, the narrative being framed suggests that it's somebody else's fault. There's a reason for this, and it's the other side. What other side? And for the first time, we're seeing the national media cover that we're not all Americans. Well, some of us are, but some of you are American in name only, or you're insurrectionist, or you're not. And what we find is that words matter until they don't. And so there are those that are manipulating, massaging, hijacking the narrative. And we see this all the time. Right here in Columbia, we see it. Uh, You're not pro-life, you're just pro-birth. You're not for women, you're just for whatever. And those are the kinds of things that I think are continually, intentionally being hijacked by those on the left and liberal media. Well, and here's the other part, and and I don't want to necessarily take it down a, a political line. But let's, let's be honest on this discussion right here and, and answer this part of the question. There are people who are going to make decisions, who are going to be doing things that, that go against biblical principle, okay? You have a right to peacefully protest, and under the American Constitution, you have a right to be able to do that. First Was Amendment. it peaceful? I don't know. Breaking glass, I don't necessarily no. consider peaceful. Walking through and 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 
threatening the vice president of the United States, saying he should be hung from a gallow, is not peaceful. No, it's not. It's anger. It's reaction. Okay, that happened. But if you start to take a look at how words matter, how imagery matters, with the things that matter, think about it from this standpoint. And, and then you've heard me, guys, you've heard me say this before. When we start talking about, if you want to talk about what our enemy, Satan, wants to be able to do to defile God, to defile Jesus Christ, if man is to love his wife as Christ loves the church and give himself up for her, then why do we have so much of an issue in America right now of men who are not stepping up to lead? Mm. God's promise to never flood the earth again was a rainbow, which has now been co-opted by an LGBTQ, XYZ, one, two, three, yeah, and an asterisk, whatever you want to put after it, Plus, <laughs> to be able to represent something that goes against what God designed. Yep. And so when we talk, folks, about the fact that words matter, that concepts matter, it's the difference between people who are choosing to protest and people who are insurrectionists. And there's a lot of places where there is this, this call for labeling people in a certain way, and it's doing nothing to unite. Instead, it is doing everything to divide people, to segment people out. And this isn't just post January sixth. Um, if we're, if we want to talk about this idea of unity and trying to unify, let's let's go a step further. The fact is, this is not political, because the previous president didn't do a great job of unifying the country either, and right. and and leading into, and I'll say even more consequential. Look at the elections on January fifth, twenty twenty one, when the Georgia Senate seats were both up for up for election. There were two Republicans in those seats. Based on the presidential election, you knew what was coming down the pike on that side. You knew the House was still controlled by by a Democratic majority, and there were people advocating and petitioning for people to stay home because, quote, your vote doesn't matter and it won't count. And guess what? People listened, and they didn't go vote. And we saw what happened in the Georgia Senate. Right now you have two Senate seats in Georgia that are blue, which is mind-boggling to me because there's no unity, none. No matter the result of an election, whether you like the president or you don't, because here's the here's the wonderful thing about America, at least 50% of the people aren't going to agree with the president. And as we're seeing right now, it's closer to 60 to 65% aren't going to agree with the president, same as the previous one. When those results don't go your way and your and your political foundation is shaken, you got to figure out another foundation. And which one is it going to be? Because you have to hold to something. And political wins and losses are fleeting. They come, they go, they, go. they move so on. Oh, yeah. and, and that's what's so important about what's happening this weekend, hard turn, with Proudly Pro-Life Weekend yeah. here in Columbia. Because... Last February, I can't believe I'm saying last February now, Governor McMaster signed into law the heartbeat bill that was passed and signed in, what was it, gentlemen? Six, Six weeks. weeks. Six weeks. Six, Six weeks. weeks. From the time the legislature came back until the time the governor signed that bill into law. It was six weeks. It had taken seven years to go from the concept of that to at least get it passed by the House. Whole brand new legislative session comes into play last year. Seats have been flipped in the Senate. 
The Senate, ironically, in South Carolina, the Senate took the lead, passed the bill, sent it over to the House. We had to do a little work over there to get it to pass, but it created a momentum because there was leadership there and people saying, we have to stand up for the values that we say we believe in. And saying that life matters was one of those core values that people stepped into and said, yes, we're going to say that as a state. And because of that, we now have a law in South Carolina that says, when a heartbeat can be detected, it is the responsibility of the state of South Carolina to protect that life. That can be as early as six weeks, which means that 98.5% of all abortions in South Carolina can be ended because a heartbeat can be detected in that time period. And most abortions don't happen until after that time period. And so when we look at that, we recognize that a real significant change took place. Now, it was immediately enjoined by the court. It was put on hold, which was why going to the Supreme Court with the, the case with Mississippi the Dobbs case. You were in Washington, D.C. on yep. that on, on December 1st when that was presented to the Supreme Court. I was up there later on that night and heard from Mississippi Attorney General who was there talking about presenting the case. And, and we see a significant opportunity to have life after Roe. This is why political wins and losses at the end of the day when it comes to actual candidates, they're fleeting. I'm not going to say they don't matter. They matter, certainly. Because you saw the you saw the switch flip there, but you have Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch who will be there, who will be here tonight right. in Columbia talking about. And I was up there by the way on December one. My wife was with me as well, and the images are burned into my brain. The things I saw, the things I heard. When I tell you that being pro life, please please understand what I'm about to say. It's not a popular position now i'm not going to say you're in the minority but you're certainly not in a fleeing majority and so it begins today right the proudly pro-life weekend we're going to get to prayer in the chambers in just a second but tonight you have the dinner with attorney general from the state of mississippi lynn finch who will be talking about presenting that dobbs case before the supreme court we expect a, a, a ruling on that somewhere in june yeah around july maybe uh so there's a while to go but that is that was a tenuous position to be in, uh, to present that before the Supreme Court. And for all intents and purposes, they did a wonderful job presenting their case. They really did. Uh, the attorney general did a part, uh, the solicitor general of, of Mississippi did a phenomenal job. You can actually go through and you can listen to the oral arguments. It takes two hours to listen to, but um, they have it available. And to hear the arguments being made, to hear the statements being made, on behalf of life, on behalf of the loss, it was such an encouraging thing to listen to the questions that were being asked by the justices of the Supreme Court. Because keep in mind, when you go before the Supreme Court, you're there to make an oral argument, to, to, to make your case, but you've got nine members of a jury who can actually not just listen to what it is that you're saying, they can turn around and they ask you questions to clarify. That's the way the Supreme Court works. This jury of nine people listen to the case. They understand they're studying the law. They're reading briefs like we had signed on to previously, um, just like we signed on with the OSHA case that's being heard today. This is a place where the arguments are being heard and we actually think 
there's a real good possibility that there could be a erosion of Roe versus Wade, if not a complete elimination of that. I don't know if it'll be completely eliminated, but I think there'll be a severe erosion of the impact of Roe versus Wade, which is a phenomenal thing of making life a key element in the American culture again. That's something we've talked about, and you've heard us talk about it on our podcast. You've heard us uh, talk about it in various places. Life after road, what does that mean? And I think it's an exciting opportunity for the church to be the church, to step up to the plate for men and women of courage, conviction, and faith, to do what God has called us to do and be who God has called us to be, the hands and feet of Jesus. So as we look at that and what that means for the church to rise up to the occasion— I think it is impressed upon us, and we've got to answer the calling on our lives by God to to shape the Palmetto State. We That's kind of the, the moniker, the slogan of this podcast, to shape the Palmetto State from a biblical worldview. So we're working on lots of different ways to do that, uh, and we're so grateful for our partners in One Message, uh, like South Carolina Citizens for Life, who are hosting Proudly Pro-Life Weekend. And uh, you, need to, you need to be here. If you're listening to this on Friday, there are several different ways that you can be here in downtown Columbia this weekend with the opportunity to stand boldly and say, I am proudly pro-life. And not only is it the dinner on Friday night where the Mississippi Attorney General will be speaking, uh, but on Saturday morning, bundle up. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit chilly. It's going it, ch- it to be cold. While, while you're explaining, I am going to check the forecast on that. Yeah. Cold. Um, <laughs> we'll be lining up for the march at the Russell House on the University of South Carolina campus. I have not been to the Russell House since before I graduated college. You aren't missing anything. Uh, exactly. Uh, it'll be five years ago this December. Um, it's been a while. So we're going to be lining up at the Russell House. That's on Green Street at 11. The march will begin at 1130. We will march down, down Green, then down Sumter, and over to the um, Gervais Street side of the State House. I'm describing it as the side that still has the Christmas tree up. Uh, and that, haven't that rally... Haven't taken Haven't taken the Christmas tree down yet. What is the social... What is the social standard for when you take a Christmas tree down? I don't know. See, at my house, it's, it's completely different because it's the day after Christmas is when you start taking things down. Everything? We took, we, and we didn't take everything down. No, our, we, see, we our, wreath is, things up. our wreath is still up, but we took our Christmas tree down, I want to say, the uh, okay. we have two, like two we days have two after Christmas. Christmas. We took the first Christmas tree down, but the second Christmas tree didn't come down So till, till we have to day. answer the question. Yes. We are live yeah. uh, <laughs> on yes. Facebook Hi. and on our podcast. Yes. So the, uh, just... This is totally for the listeners uh, today. Are you real or fake tree? We're real. We're real tree. You're camp real tree. Okay. I'm camp real tree. We're we're two trees that keep coming back every single year. Nice. That's amazing. They yes. just they, they stay right down. They they artificial. They, they, they box back up. They go down to the basement, and when it's time for them, they come back up and they magically reappear. See, nothing nothing says Christmas more than grabbing the Christmas tree and bringing it in. And as you bring it in through the front door, you feel the sap on your hands. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I yeah, do, we're I we're camp say, real tree. I do miss I do miss the smell of a Christmas tree. But they we're totally air, they make for those of you watching live. We're totally off topic. We, sometimes yeah. we will get off topic and, and we will actually <laughs> edit this part out. You get to enjoy. Enjoy it today, um, and and for it's going to be cold tomorrow. It is going to be cold. So, so Forty-eight degrees, sunny skies, a high. Uh, we're at but during the time of the, the event, high. thirty-seven to forty-three oh, degrees. Oh, that's great! It's wonderful. So this a nice balmy. That is summer in Minnesota. <laughs> that is, but here that in South Car- here in South Carolina, we're in the dead of winter, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that is tomorrow at eleven. Begin lining up. This is for everyone. Begin lining up at eleven o'clock at the Russell House 
on the University of South Carolina campus. The rally will be at noon at the State House. If you can't make it to the march, that's okay. Make it to the rally. The rally will probably last anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, and you'll be out and you can go enjoy lunch down on Main Street or just across the bridge in West Columbia. One of the important things that, that as our partners with South Carolina Citizens for Life are holding these events, they're holding the dinner tonight, they're holding, they do this every year and they have consistently done it for nearly five decades now. Wow. Is to is to do the stand up for life rally, and and it is such an important reminder, especially, and the reason that it's timed when it is is because it it goes in alignment with the road decision coming down, which mm-hmm. happened in January of nineteen seventy three. The other thing that it is, it is just before the legislature returns. Yep. It is a yep. constant reminder to our legislature that the the issue of life matters, which is. An important part of where we're going, a little hard pivot again, there you go. to what we are looking at and doing today at 4 o'clock. Yep. At 4 o'clock today, we're going to have the very first prayer in the chambers. We are hosting today over at the State House. And if, you, if you're watching on Facebook or you're watching or listening later on today, make plans to come to the State House in Columbia. It's free entrance. You can park any along any of the, the areas right around the state house. But join us at four o'clock today as we go upstairs to the second floor lobby. We're going to meet up there at four o'clock. And then we're going to have prayer time in the chambers of the House and the Senate. When we went to the leadership of the House and the Senate and said, Hey, listen, we would like to come and have a time of prayer. It was amazing to watch. Sure. Y'all come on up. They were excited. They were excited yeah. about that. As a matter of fact, we were yesterday, we were over at the state house and ran into the sergeant of arms over at the house. And I, I go, Mitch, are we still good with everything? He said, bring them on. Yes. And that was the great part about it. Our colleagues in Iowa did this several years ago. They started having prayer time every Monday night before their legislative session began. And what they found there, and I know we're going to find here, mm-hmm. is it changed the spiritual temperature of the capital in Des Moines. That's it. And that's really what we're setting out to do, folks, is how can we, praying that the Lord would work through the lives of the men and women who we have elected to represent us in, in Columbia, how can we be praying for them that the Lord would change their spiritual temperature so that when they are there, whether they are followers of Jesus Christ or not, they are working in alignment with God's will and what's going to be going on in the legislation that they pass and the way that they approach things and the things that they say and they do. So if you have the ability to join us in person, please come to the State House. We'll be there at 4 o'clock. We'll be praying for an hour. If you're coming to the Proudly Pro-Life Weekend, make plans to come on down and be a part of that so that you can be there well before dinner, uh, the doors open up for dinner. But come and be a part and pray with us as we pray that God would move in the lives of the men and women, the 170 members of of the House and the Senate, our General Assembly, that God would really work in their lives to call them to a relationship with him. Not so that we can pass legislation, okay? That's That's not what this is about. That's it. It is not about passing legislation. It's about changing lives. It's about the spiritual temperature of our state. It is about how can we develop a spiritual infrastructure that supports our state and brings a biblical worldview, but more importantly, it brings... A, a call to a relationship with Jesus 
to the men and women who come to the state house three days a week, 18 weeks out of the year, to do the work of the people of the state. That's right. That's our goal is to build a bridge between pastors and ministry leaders. And those of you watching this right now, if you want to be a part of our bridge builder ministry where we are going into the state house every day of the legislative session, there are 54 days during the legislative session. If we want five people, that's 270 opportunities to minister, be a bridge builder. This is uh, nonpartisan. This is apolitical. This is ministry at the state house. And I think it's awesome opportunity for those who are outside, those in the community, whether you're in Varnville or Barnwell or uh, wherever you are, to come to Columbia and share the good news, the hope of Jesus Christ with men and women, 170 officials inside, they're your public servants inside the state house who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, and they need to experience it from you. So what an awesome opportunity for you to do that. Come down here today at four, and then we're going to do this again in a couple weeks on a Monday. Stay tuned for details on that. And if you want to be a bridge builder, find out how you can do that by going to palmettofamily.org. One of the things I want to, to help folks to understand is this. Let's, let's just do some math on this real quick. For those of you who are watching on Facebook, if you're listening on the podcast, there are 18 weeks of the legislative session. They meet on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. If we can have five people who are willing to say, I'm going to spend a day coming to the state house just to minister, not to push for legislation, nope. not to do anything other than to say, hey, I'm here. I'd like to pray with you. How can I help you today? What can we do for you? How can we be the hands and feet of Jesus in your world? Imagine what happens with that. Because out of 18 weeks, three days a week, that's 54 days of legislative session, five people joining us, that's 270 slots. 270 opportunities for people to be able to come and be a part of ministering to our elected leaders here in Columbia. Now, here's what that does for you. It allows you to develop a relationship with people from your own community who are elected leaders in your community so that you can understand, one, better who they are. Mm -hmm. I've said this plenty of times. If you don't know who your state senator and state representative are, I can almost guarantee you, if you don't know who they are, they certainly don't know who you are. And how can you be the hands and feet of Jesus in their world if you don't know who they are? And so developing that type of relationship allows you to have an opportunity to speak into that person's life, but also be there as a ministry partner with them so that when they come up and they say, hey, listen, I've got a need that's going on in the community, guess what? You may be that connection point to meet that, that need, to be able to minister in your community. That's right. We, we know that ministry travels at the speed of a relationship. You can't minister if you don't have a relationship. And so we're asking you to develop those relationships. To And, and, and yes, this is across party lines. This, once again, this is nonpartisan. This is apolitical. This has nothing to do with RD, red, blue, uh, nothing to do with that. This is a unifying project, building bridges, ministering to those inside the statehouse. Guys, those of you listening, I am so excited about so many opportunities that we have to be the hands and feet of Jesus in 2022. We're not just serving and, and, and 
inside the state house, we've got opportunities outside in communities all across the state. I believe it's going to be an exciting year for for Palmetto family around the state with some of the the guests that we're going to be bringing to the state. Uh, we're still working through that and the details. Maybe a little bit of a teaser if you're listening to us right now about some of the people and and these are notable. Uh, I would say famous, but maybe that's the wrong word there. These people are people of influence, and I am so excited to bring many of them to South Carolina as we start ramping up for the road to the White House in just a few years. With the prayer in the chambers and then the proudly pro-life weekend, as as we look ahead to what's coming, um, there's a, a real feeling and a real desire for there to be an, a, a a next awakening. You mentioned heating up the spiritual temperature, so to speak. You, uh, there's there's this desire for us to have a have a sweeping move like the Reformation, or mm-hmm. or what happened in Wales, or or in the streets of Azusa, and it starts with prayer. And I'm really excited for this afternoon. I'm really excited for uh, what's going to be taking place at the State House because we're we're hosting that, but we're going to be just as involved in it yeah. Oh, yeah. as as anyone who's there. And so, we're I'm excited for what's coming this year in 2022 because it also is an election year. So let me take this moment to make sure you're aware that next week you're going to hear our first installment of the new candidate conversations podcast, Dave, that you've been hosting. Uh, we've, we've had a couple of interviews already that have been waiting. And, and so we're going to begin putting those out next week. And, and the first two conversations are going to be with two folks running for superintendent of education. Let's keep in mind, folks, so when you think about the money that's spent by the state of South Carolina, the number one budget item in our state's $10 billion budget is education. Ed, yep. And four years ago, five years ago, it was put on the ballot, do we continue to elect a superintendent of education or do we not? Do we let that be an appointed position? By a 60 to 40 vote the people of South Carolina said, we're not going to change the Constitution. We're actually going to have it so that we continue to elect the superintendent of education. And in doing that, that means that we've got people who are saying, I am willing to step up and lead the education efforts in our state. Candidate conversations is an opportunity for us to get past the sound bites. Mm-hmm. In, in a typical, I, I'm a former I'm a former journalist, okay? So in a typical television newscast, there's 22 minutes of airtime. Of that, you've got probably 12 to 15 stories that you're gonna be seeing during that time period, maybe even more, which means at best, you're getting a minute and a half worth of a story. In that time period, you may actually be hearing from a person no more than 15 to 20 seconds. We're offering you 20 to 30 minutes of a conversation about the issues, understanding where a person is coming from, why they believe the things that they do, the approaches that they're going to be taking. And that's an important place for you to be able to hear what people are saying, understand where they're coming from, and be able to make some informed decisions, not just based upon sound bites, but based upon the real conversations that take place as we have conversations with candidates on both sides of the aisle, because this is a nonpartisan discussion. You need to hear from the people who are running for elected office, because that's an important part of your responsibility in participating in this republic that we have 
we call it the democratic process when reality is we're, we're actually constitutional a, we're republic. A constitutional <laughs> republic that follows a democratic ideal. But the reality is you have elected officials and you need to know who it is that you're voting for, understand where they are on the issues and understand why you would or would not support them. True democracy, by the way, in its real form could get dicey. Uh, that's why we have a representative democracy, go. so to speak. Uh, so the candidate conversation piece is coming next week, and I look forward uh, to having those out. They're, those are great conversations, Dave, as you mentioned. So I'm really excited to continue those for more offices than just superintendent of education. But we're going to be talking to every – tried to talk to every person running for office in the in the executive branch if they'll if they'll come in <laughs> and talk to us. That, that remains to be seen. We thank you for joining us on Facebook Today, what we try to do is we try to keep our podcast at 25 to 30 minutes, long enough. The average commute time in South Carolina from from office to home is right around 20 to 25 minutes. Uh, as Mitch says, sometimes you're going to be folding the laundry as well when you're listening to these, or if you're like me, you're ironing your clothes. So we want to keep it to to a to a brief unit, and so that's what we try to do. And that is why we're going to have to cut today's podcast here. We appreciate you joining us on Facebook Live today. We'll be doing more of these live podcasts. By the way, the way you're going to be able to get these live podcasts is if you download the Palmetto Family Council app on your App Store, your Google Play Store, wherever you get your apps. Make sure you download it. You can also download it on your Roku, your Apple TV, your Amazon TV. You can get the app there. That way, when we go live, we're going to probably do this every Friday. So that way, when we go live, you're going to get alerted that we're going live and you can watch us on your app, on your phone, on your tablet, on your laptop, on your television, wherever you are, Palmetto Family is within your grasp, which is really cool and also kind of crazy, too, if you really want to get into technology. <laughs> because if, if you want to know what it's like, this is this – is, we, we have pre-recorded every other podcast, yeah. except for one. We did, we for did one, one mm-hmm. uh, on, on a Supreme Court case to be able to have a conversation with you on Facebook so that you can follow along. But, you know, there, there's a there's the element. You do live radio sure. on, on Sports Talk, <clears throat> and, and it's a really interesting time. But there are plenty of times. Yeah. I'll just I'll be very frank with you. There are plenty of times when we sit here and go, can we just start that part over yeah. again? Yep. And today, yeah. we thank you for taking the time to watch so that we can actually – be a little bit more on our toes. Thanks yeah, for I, your patience as well. Yeah, I appreciate you giving me one more chance at some live radio since the football <laughs> think, season is over. Yeah, like and it and it yeah. starts with the camera rotating. But yeah, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Be at the State House at four o'clock today. Be at the State House at four o'clock today if you're listening. If you're listening after Friday, I'm so sorry you missed it. Be here at the State House four o'clock today. The dinner with South Carolina Citizens for Life and Proudly Pro Life Weekend is tonight with Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Finch. And tomorrow, Saturday, January the eighth, eleven o'clock, the march will start at the Russell House on the University of South Carolina campus. The rally begins on the Gervais Street side, or as I'm still saying, the Christmas tree side of the State House. <laughs> Governor will have a discussion about when trees need to come down. I'll try to find him at some point in the Candidate next couple days. Candidate conversations. <laughs> we're gonna have we're gonna have the governor in. And ask him, questions. Governor, you and you and Miss Peggy, when do you guys take down your Christmas tree in the mansion? Because we're having issues here. That tree's going to dry out, y'all. We need some rain. We're when getting it on Sunday. Says it comes down. Here's the thing: it is going to be cold, so bundle up on Saturday morning. We appreciate you taking the time. As always, download the Palmetto Family Council app. You can follow us on our Facebook page, our Twitter page, our Instagram page. You can follow us all there. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you on the Tuesday audio-only edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast.